Thanks for pressing play. The content marketing category is almost $700 billion. Almost every company is working on content and increasing their content marketing investments. And yet, when was the last time you got a piece of content marketing and you said, that was legendary? Doesn't happen very often, does it? Let's dig into how the marketing world got duped into content-free marketing, a.k.a. saying nothing everywhere, and why this is one of the largest opportunities hiding in plain sight for marketers, entrepreneurs, executives, creators, and writers. You see, for the people who are willing to be different and create radically valuable, non-obvious content that actually drives demand and revenue, content marketing is a legendary opportunity. Welcome to a very special episode of Lockhead on Marketing. We recently launched our newest big book from Category Pirates. It's called Snow Leopard, How Legendary Writers Create a Category of One. And I want to thank you very much. Uh, if you've already read it and or picked up a copy, you made Snow Leopard the number one marketing and number one writing book on Amazon right after the launch. So uh, thank you for that. And if you haven't picked up your copy, it is live right now on Amazon. What you're about to hear is the audiobook read of me reading chapter three, which is all about content-free marketing and why it's a giant opportunity for the rest of us. Now, as Joey Ramone said, hey ho, let's go. This is Lockheed on Marketing, the podcast that helps you develop the lens for what makes legendary marketing legendary. Hosted by Christopher Lockhead, three-time CMO, godfather of category design, and a high school dropout, who the Marketing Journal calls one of the best minds in marketing, and The Economist calls off-putting to some. Chapter 3, Content-Free Marketing, How Marketers Got Duped Into Saying Nothing Everywhere and why it's a legendary opportunity. Now, let's talk about marketing. The content marketing category is a $4 billion industry, and it's estimated by 2024 the content marketing industry will grow another $270 billion, bringing the grand total to $700 billion. But content marketing is broad and includes everything from creation to distribution to content management. For example, in 2020, the enterprise content management industry was valued at $47 billion and is projected to more than double over the next five years to more than $105 billion. Translation, of the soon-to-be $700 billion content marketing industry, 20% of the entire market is exclusively dedicated to managing the content that gets created. Well, what's the content? More importantly, how much of the content being created, especially by enterprise companies and B2C companies, is actually worth reading? When was the last time you clicked on a company blog post, opened a company newsletter, or listened to a corporate podcast and said to yourself, wow, I sure am glad I clicked on that. The fact that most content marketing is garbage, as they say in French, represents one of the greatest marketing opportunities of our time for those willing to buck current conventional wisdom. 
The content management subcategory of the mega content marketing category is growing faster than ever. And yet, according to Content Hacker, the number one activity B2B companies outsource is content creation by a mile. Get this. 86% of B2B organizations surveyed said they outsourced content creation. The next closest activity is content distribution, which only 30% of B2B organizations surveyed said they did. Editorial planning, 11%. Content strategy, 10%. Content technology, 10%. And so on. Now, let's connect these two data points. On one hand, content management is growing at breakneck speed. Content creation creates more to manage. On the other hand, content creation is often the number one most outsourced marketing activity, which means companies are deferring the single most important aspect of content, which is the creation of each and every idea. And who's coming up with these ideas? As we wrote about in our mini book, The Me Disease, many marketers today have, unfortunately, caught Gary VD, a content disease that leads creators and companies alike to believe the whole purpose of content creation is to do it and do it as often as possible. Document everything, right? It doesn't matter if it's good. It doesn't matter if it's valuable. Just say it loud and say it often. Quote, pump out 200 pieces of content a day. Gary VD and other digital marketing shysters have led the masses to believe the fact that you did it means you're succeeding. More equals Mobetta. You're winning. And so every marketer everywhere has adopted this spray and pray approach where 100% of the emphasis is on the output and essentially zero Okay, maybe that might be a slight exaggeration, but you get the point of the emphasis is on the quality of the content and what is actually being said. As we say sometimes around here, the emphasis is on the wrong syllable. Wonder if you know what movie that's from, but I digress. As a result, creators and enterprises deploy more content, more often strategies. Again, the soon-to-be $700 billion content marketing industry, 20% of the entire market is exclusively dedicated to managing the content that gets created. The other 80% gets outsourced. Think about that. It gets outsourced to agencies, contractors, analysts, and gurus whose biggest idea is to get you to post quote graphics from yourself or your company on LinkedIn 12 times per day with things like hustle is the secret to success and win small to win big. This is what we like to call content-free marketing. Content-free marketing, the art of saying nothing everywhere. In our Amazon mini book, The Lightning Strike Strategy, we wrote about how advertising legends of old, like David Ogilvy, were not successful because of reach and frequency strategies. Reach and frequency means the more people reach who see my brand, the more often frequency, the better off will be. No, these advertising legends were successful because they owned a specific position in the customer's mind, a category, 
Our friend and teacher, Silicon Valley's secret attack marketing sensei, Rick Bennett, his mindset is, we're paraphrasing, if these marketing dollars are the last dollars a company has, how do we create one ad or one quick strike that will make the company in one marketing move? He's done this many times. One of our favorite stories is the I will not give my lunch money to Siebel ad, who at the time was the leader in uh, customer relationship management, which helped Mark Benioff, the founder and CEO of Salesforce, underscore the cost advantage of cloud computing over client server. This is the opposite of spray and pray. This content, based on a radically different point of view, is designed to make a very big impact with one strike. And it's engineered to get people talking about what makes you different, all in an effort to make your point of view stick and become their different too. Remember, legendary category marketing empowers word of mouth, which means the way you think about content marketing that has the potential to make you and or your company should follow this blueprint. One, what's your POV? What's your point of view? What are you actually saying? What direction are you leading people's thinking? If you are leading them in the same direction as everyone else, you are part of the noise. The only way to not be a part of the noise is to quite literally not say the same thing and not lead their thinking in the same direction. Number two, what is the transformation as a result of adopting this POV? When someone follows your line of thinking, where do they end up? Jerusalem or a real estate seminar in the basement of a church in Las Vegas? Do they experience a plasticky incremental outcome or an exponential one? On a scale of one to 10, how different is their life and or business before and after listening to you? digesting and internalizing your new point of view. Number three, how can you get your super consumers to hear and adopt your POV? Enabling the most influential people in your category to evangelize your POV is the fastest path to enduring exponential growth, which means your primary focus should not be to get anyone to hear your POV, but to leverage the attention and enthusiasm of your super consumers. Your job is to put the right words, your POV, in the right mouths, your supers, which we'll talk about how to do in a bit. It is estimated that back in the 1970s, the average person saw between 500 and 1600 ads per day. By 2007, that number had climbed up to 5,000 ads per day. And in 2021, it is estimated that the average person encounters between 6,000 and 10,000 ads every effing day. This includes the brand of camera you use on your webcam, the logo on the coffee mug on your desk, the name on your t-shirt, and so on. Now, add a billion content-free social media posts on top of that. Finding your passion. Data is the future. You have to love yourself first. Authenticity, authentic leadership is the best kind of leadership. Companies have to care about culture. 
All of these content-free POVs are noise. And just like how companies fall for the big brand lie, thinking the key to building a successful business is to push your brand further, faster, and more often than everyone else, companies and marketers and the entire content marketing department falls for the big content lie. Thinking what matters most isn't what the content is saying, but whether or not whatever is being said is being seen by the most people the most often. We think that's insane. The business world has created a content marketing industrial complex, and it doesn't even know it. A content marketing department supply chain looks like this. You come up with an idea for a piece of content. You write the content. You edit the content. You manage the writing and the editing of the content. You post the content. You ask other people to post the content. You pay to boost slash promote the content. You pay other people to post, share, and backlink to the content. You manage the posting and the sharing and the backlinking of the content. And then you count up how many views, likes, comments, shares, backlinks, and maybe even sales the content accumulated. Only one of those steps is about the quality of the content, your differentiated point of view. The other nine steps are about the amplification of the content, which means if you don't have a differentiated point of view to begin with, what are the other nine steps even in service of? More for more sake? For example, we know people in the podcasting category who have between 70 and 80% audience churn. As a result, they spend increasing amounts of time, money, and technology on new listener acquisition, which they do to keep their download numbers up so they can continue charging their sponsorship rates instead of working on creating a radically different point of view with a radically different category design as a strategy for growth, these creators simply pour more gas on their content-free marketing dumpster. We see exactly the same mentality in marketing organizations. More content for more lead generation, more funnels to catch more prospects with more content, more content for more lead nurture, and so on. More content is the answer at every stage of the quote-unquote customer journey. The business world has unknowingly created this content marketing industrial complex because such a complex is said to pursue its own financial interests, regardless of, and often at the expense of, the best interests of societies and individuals. For example, how do content management platforms make money? They need customers who have a problem called, I have too much content to manage. The CMS market is valued at $62 billion. Within that market are startups like ContentStack, which in 2021 raised $57.5 million in a Series B. These companies make up a category that is both the problem and the solution. The problem is, we have too much content. The solution is, use our platform to manage even more content. And on and on and on, the content marketing industrial complex grows. Where the industrial complex may profit financially from maintaining socially detrimental or inefficient systems, 
according to Wikipedia's definition of an industrial complex. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Since social media is quote-unquote free to use, with the potential to reach hundreds of millions of potential readers, listeners, viewers, and even customers, the marketing world has come to believe that mindless output is the secret to quote, free content marketing. But is free content marketing really free? First of all, note all the steps that go into managing a company's content marketing industrial complex. The labor resources, contractors, and full-time employees, in addition to enterprise software costs, these are not rounding errors. Remember, nearly $700 billion is going to be spent on content marketing by 2025. Couldn't companies find a better way to allocate those precious resources than waste it on more stuff people don't want to consume and or wish they hadn't? Wouldn't it be better to return that money to shareholders so they could invest it more wisely? If Wall Street were smart, they would ask on earnings calls how much a company spends on content marketing, and then they discount their value based on that. Second, while you may not be paying for it or charging your readers or customers money to consume your content, you are charging them time. You are costing them emotional disappointment when they realize they spent those precious minutes consuming something with empty calories or watching you interview a customer hoping to learn about the future of the category, but really hearing a disguised testimonial about why they loved your new carbodingulator. Well, Jim, we believe in the power of the cloud and AI to digitally transform key parts of our business. Our key learning here since we started is that this is a journey, not a destination. And to be successful in the new digital world, you've got to take small steps along the way. This is not content. It's drivel. When content marketers do this, they teach readers, listeners, viewers, and potential customers and investors to stop paying attention to them. The customers you care about, your super consumers, aren't stupid. And they know regurgitations when they hear them. The marketing landscape has conflated activities and outcomes. Lastly, content-free marketing leads to easier, faster, cheaper output. Output is noticeable. Output makes it look like the marketing department is doing something. Don't you think our new white paper, YouTube video, blog post, and podcasts are awesome? Don't you, Sally? Easier, faster, cheaper output leads to more to manage. Did we already say hustle is what separates the winners from the losers? Maybe this time we should say real winners hustle. Looks like we need to upgrade our content management system. We've got lots to manage. More to manage means less resources available to create differentiated, fresh, quality content. Less resources for creating quality content and or increased outsourcing of content creation leads to more content-free marketing. How did the solution to the problem, our content marketing results are not great, become more content? And on and on and on, the content marketing industrial complex hairball keeps rolling and growing. But stick with us, because in this madness is a giant opportunity for a pirate like you. 
Now let's talk about obvious lie marketing. In 2020, the SEO industry was valued at 80 billion, the PR industry 88 billion, and social media management 14 billion. If you're a founder, executive, investor, small business owner, and you've ever hired an SEO firm or a PR firm or a social media agency, how good are they at coming up with compelling ideas? Most are not. Their job is to basically create content-free content and pump it into algorithms, spam email to journalists, and pitch it anywhere and everywhere they can, with the hopes of getting a backlink or two to the other content-free content on your website. As a side note, as a podcaster, the amount of this garbage that I get in my inbox all the time from people spraying and praying, trying to get on the podcast, who've done zero homework is absolutely stunning, but I digress. Emails and social media posts created in the context of this strategy, if we can even call it that, are literally saying, we are spraying our crap everywhere. Do you like it? But this is only the beginning. One of the great content marketing hacks is what we like to call obvious lie marketing. Gary VD wrote a book about it. It's called Jab, Jab, Right Hook, How to Tell Your Story in a Noisy Social World. The book and the coinciding strategy is to quite literally pretend to, quote, provide value a few times before hitting the reader, viewer, or listener with your ask. And when you make your ask, add an obvious lie to make it sound more authentic. On social media, this means posting a couple of inspiring quote graphics. Don't pay attention to the haters. They're just jealous. Before making your pitch, hey, Hustle Tribe, just wanted to say happy Monday, and it's time. Today, only I'll be offering my zero to authentic course for 50% off. Via cold email, this means opening with something like, hey there, Christopher. I just wanted to say how much I enjoyed your recent episode of Follow Your Different. Your podcast is really something special. I loved your most recent episode with, insert name of last guest on the podcast here. Anyways, I just wanted to see if you had any interest in hosting one of our content-free blogs on your website. Totally free, of course. Get that all the time, too. And on company blogs. This means being very deliberate about not including anything too valuable in the free blog post. Remember, the secret to content-free marketing is for the content to not be where the real value is. You have to pay for that. Instead, use the free blog post as bait to force readers to give you their email, subscribe to your newsletter, or enter your funnel. Bonus points if after they've subscribed, they find even more content-free content. The best newsletters are written by unpaid interns, after all. The majority of marketers have internalized all of the above, as well as the belief that the best way to build relationships with readers, listeners, viewers, and potential customers is to start off by flattering them with obvious lies, motivating them, fluffing them up a bit, authentically, of course, and then whacking them over the head. Bang, pow, zonk. But what you're really saying when you do this is, hey there, I think you're stupid. And I think you're going to fall for this stupid ploy of garbage content wrapped it in disingenuous compliments. You are beginning the relationship with an insult to the reader's intelligence. And somehow, this became accepted as a best practice in marketing. 
When you stop and take time to look, it's astonishing how much of the content world is valueless. And at the same time, how many people run around preaching, you have to provide value, you have to provide value, don't forget to provide value, content is king, be authentic. Ever noticed how many of the marketing experts who talk about authenticity come across as deeply inauthentic? By the looks of it, most content marketers don't have a clue what that even means. But they heard some social media guru say it 120 times, so it must be right. The three big content marketing lines and the massive opportunity they create. If you wouldn't pay for it, either with your hours or your dollars, why are you putting it out? If it's not legendary, why are you doing it? As soon as you change the mindset from legendary volume to legendary content, you will stand out. Whenever we challenge people on this topic, especially in the context of large enterprise companies, where the entire measure for success is just getting the damn thing done and the report completed before Christmas, we tend to hear two responses. The first is, legendary is too high of a bar to set. Don't you think that's unreasonable? Playing in the NBA is a high bar. Getting into MIT or Juilliard is a high bar. Becoming a doctor is a high bar. How come having millions and millions of people read your work or listen to your podcast or watch your YouTube video and more importantly, becoming customers and spending money with your company isn't a high bar? Where does this entitlement come from? We'll tell you. It comes from the fact that A, everyone consumes marketing. So everyone considers themselves a marketer. B, social media is free to use. Email is free to use. All these digital marketing me mechanisms are, on the surface, quote-unquote free, which severely lowers the barrier to entry. And C, seeing teenagers go viral for doing a 15-second dance or eating a bunch of Tide liquid laundry detergent pods leads the world to believe, oh, going viral isn't that hard. See, that teenager just did it, and what they're doing is stupid. But, A, everyone is not a marketer let alone any good at it. Just because someone is in marketing or their title says senior marketing director doesn't mean the decisions they're making out in the market are smart or making a difference. B, social media is easy to use and incredibly difficult to master. There's a low barrier to entry, but a very high skill gap between the top 1% and the other 99%. C, Viral is not and should not be your goal. Everyone slows down to gawk at a car accident on the side of the road, but that doesn't mean you should crash your car. Anyone can go viral, and the vast majority of the time, it happens by accident. Getting lucky should not be your core strategy. Remember, no one owes you their attention. The second is, sometimes we just have to get things done. Sure, we get that. Us pirates tend to err on the side of getting things done versus not getting things done. The strategic question is, what are we getting done? These scenarios should be few and far between, meaning in a year, the number of times you have to make the decision, ah, you know what, this is good enough, let's just hit publish and move on, should be minimal. 
If it happens and you got to do it, then we agree. It's better to take an imperfect step than not to take a step at all. But when this becomes your dominant state, you've got a problem. Because now you are building a process and a, quote, content supply chain optimized for mediocrity. Don't confuse the activity with the results. We believe the reason people have beliefs like that's a high bar to set, or sometimes we just have to get things done, is because they are three big lies actively perpetuated throughout the content marketing world. And these lies trick people into thinking that marketing is easy. Anyone can do it. Worst of all, the key to great content marketing isn't to focus on the quality of the content, the idea, the point of view, but the marketing and the distribution and the posting schedule the management of the content, and so on. Newsflash, what time of day you post your content is irrelevant. If what you're posting is content-free. Lie number one, the most valuable form of marketing is your personal story. Go anywhere on the internet and you'll see this lie being spread at an unprecedented scale. In a marketing group where we recently saw a marketer give this advice to other marketers, explaining that the best way to promote their startup is to share their startup's journey. Unfortunately, there's a nuance missing here, and it's a big one, which is only if you can translate your journey into something that matters to your customers, because no one cares about you. For example, Let's say the three of us started a real estate consulting business where we worked with Airbnb owners scaling their portfolios of rental properties. A typical marketer would say, the best way to promote your business is to share your own personal story. All right, here it goes. Hey guys, happy Tuesday. Just wanted to let you know that today we landed another three clients. Awesome, huh? Yeah. So things are going pretty great here at uh, Pirate and Pirate and Pirate Real Estate Incorporated. Stay tuned tomorrow and don't forget, hustle! How effective is this at getting your super consumers to give you their undivided attention? It's not. Now, instead of focusing on your personal story, let's try this again, but make our target customer and their story, their wants and needs and desires the priority. Happy Tuesday, Airbnb owners. You know what time it is? Every Tuesday, we show you a rental property we think is undervalued, explain why, and then walk you through the different ways you could increase the value of this sort of rental property within your own portfolio. Fixing just a few of these small things can immediately increase the value of your properties. And we want to make sure you learn everything you need to know to maximize your real estate returns. And if anything about this video and walkthrough guide is confusing to you, just drop us a comment and we'll add a separate Q&A section to the guide. There is a cataclysmic sized gap between these two examples. The first one is focused on me, 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 me. I'm building my personal brand. And the second one is focused on you, 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 you. Remember, the difference between most people who strum a guitar and Bruce Springsteen is fans. Other people make us successful. But I digress. Now, does this mean you shouldn't share anything personal ever? Of course not. What matters, whether you are creating for yourself or on behalf of your company, is that any personal stories anecdotes, or details you use are in support of your mission 
to educate, empower, and even entertain the reader, the viewer, listener, and or the customer. They have to be the main character in the story. If they're not, then you've got the me disease and your entire strategy is predicated on people thinking you or your company is awesome and choosing to give you their attention and money because they think you've got something they don't. This is a mercenary mindset. Lie number two, anything I say is valuable. This is a huge issue Pirate Cole ran into with his ghostwriting agency. Highly successful entrepreneurs, executives, investors, and even Olympic athletes and Grammy-winning musicians would sign on looking to position themselves as thought leaders, only to show up to their call and basically have nothing to say. How do you become an effective thought leader? Well, you have to be authentic, that's for sure, and you have to motivate your team, and you got to show up with a good attitude. Groundbreaking stuff, Tom. Remarkable. The problem here is that individuals and companies who have achieved nearly any level of success in their careers begin to drink their own rum and assume everyone should pay attention to them because of what they've achieved. What they fail to realize, however, is that playing basketball and articulating how to play basketball are two completely different skills. There's a reason why Michael Jordan is considered, quote, one of the worst basketball franchise owners in history. Imagine that. The greatest player in history doesn't know how to run a basketball team. Pirate Eddie ran into the same thing among professionals paid to be thought leaders. After a few years of him writing for the Harvard Business Review, he would regularly get asked by other consulting partners, executives, and business gurus for help getting an article published in HBR. He would share the formula he had worked out with his editor years ago. A, have a provocative point of view that overturns conventional wisdom, a.k.a. something non-obvious. B, back it up with robust data or compelling case studies. And C, draw broadly applicable insights and implications that are useful for as wide an audience as possible across multiple industries. Translation, have a non-obvious idea that overturns conventional wisdom. And second, have an obvious way addressing that non-obvious idea so that people can take some action. Most often, Pirate Eddie would get blank stares back and a response that basically said, hmm, I just want to be published in HBR. Can't you just help me do that? That was the response from people paid handsomely to have a point of view. Why is this the case? It's not that they weren't smart, just like it's not that content marketers aren't smart. It was often more that they didn't have enough courage to say something different. Was this because they were cowards? No. It almost always comes back to incentives. They had little to gain by advocating a different point of view but felt they had a lot to lose if the world or their partners or boss didn't agree. Standing out means standing alone. That's why we named this book Snow Leopard. As a result, the vast majority of quote-unquote thought leaders you find in the business world tend to resemble a Marriott lobby. It looks nice. It's professional. 
but the entire design strategy is to be as unremarkably pleasant as possible. As a result, they are completely uninteresting, totally forgettable, and radically undifferentiated. We know the CEO of a major publicly traded company who wanted to start a weekly podcast, but was stopped by their legal department and board for fear the CEO might say the wrong thing. Meanwhile, Elon Musk, one of the richest and most influential people on, in the world, is on Twitter posting memes and trolling Bill Gates and trolling Twitter, Twitter themselves for that matter. In contrast, one of the first HBR pieces Pirate Eddie wrote after leaving his consulting firm and going out on his own was about why General Mills should sell its cereal business. The thesis, the different point of view, was that the cereal category had declined $4 billion over 15 years. And unless leadership believed carbs and sugar were ever coming back in a big way, the cereal business would never be more valuable than it is today. But the reality was no executive wanted to be the one who sold off the cereal business on his or her watch. So, free from the shackles of the don't piss anyone off police inside a major consulting firm, Pirate Eddie had the freedom to write that piece. Where saying something this different would have been very difficult back at the Cambridge group where Pirate Eddie used to work which was owned by Nielsen at the time, both of which had a strong incentives to not rock the boat. The PR world and the content-free marketing industrial complex has led people to believe that the key to being seen as a thought leader is just to be seen. Hi guys, it's me! It's not actually to provide differentiated thinking. It's not to say things other people aren't comfortable saying yet, aka the non-obvious. It's not to push conversations into uncharted territory. It's not to move a category from the way it is to a new and different way. It's to spew advice like the key to being a great leader is authenticity as often as possible. A Grand Slam home run is if the thought leader's advice then gets shared in a tier two business publication like Forbes, or the Huffington Post or Stink Magazine. And the reasons we believe this has become such a commonly accepted quote-unquote strategy for companies and their executives is because spewing undifferentiated thinking across 27 different platforms, costly as it might be, is the only way for a company to say anything without flagging HR, legal, the board, and a room full of executives. So after all the red tape, a company has said nothing everywhere successfully. This is content-free marketing, and it's a huge problem as well as a massive legendary opportunity for anyone with a couple of brain cells and a willingness to be different. Lie number three, it's all about how many people see my content. It's not. It's about how many people are moved by your content enough to share it. And it's not just shares as a blanket metric but it shares specifically amongst your super consumers. If you get a million views and zero engagement or shares from your super consumers, guess what? That's not a good piece of content. But if you get 10,000 views and 1,000 diehard enthusiasts of your category are sharing your content like crazy, now you're onto something. As a side note, word of mouth was, is, and always will be 
the most powerful form of marketing ever. And our job as writers, creators, entrepreneurs, marketers, and executives is to put the right words in the right mouths to drive warm word of mouth. All right, back to the book. Views, likes, and follows are vanity metrics. Anyone can get views. The three of us pirates watch stuff all the time we don't really care about. It hooks our attention for a fleeting moment, and then we're gone and we think nothing of it. Videos of cats and raging Karens inside Walmart come to mind. When was the last time you watched a Karen video and paid any attention to who posted it or followed that person for that matter? But I digress. In general, views are a meaningless metric. Shares, on the other hand, represent someone's identity. When you share something on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Pinterest, whatever it is you're sharing is speaking for you. It's one deviation away from you creating something on your own. Shares are why the Net Promoter Score, NPS, works so well, because it requires you to put your own reputation on the line. And the reason people share certain things online is usually because that piece of content is successfully saying something they weren't able to say themselves. For example, this sums up how I feel perfectly, is a common caption people use when sharing content. And the reach and frequency you want is not the kind you pay for or that happens by accident. You want to earn it. The goal of your content is not for people to view it or to like it. Your goal is for people to lose their minds over it, bookmark it, share it, email it to their friends with a subject line, read this ASAP. You want to get to the point where readers are actively waiting for your next piece of content, your next blog post, newsletter, YouTube video, podcast episode. Uh, shortly after Snow Leopard came out, somebody posted on LinkedIn something to the effect of, stop reading whatever summer novel you're reading on the beach now and read Snow Leopard instead. That's the kind of post we're talking about. Your content should be so radically differentiated, aka provide such new, valuable, differentiated thinking that you get emails from worried super saying, hmm, hi, just checking in here. It's been two weeks since you posted anything and I'm starting to go through withdrawals. Any update on when the next piece of content is dropping? We have heard this from quite a few pirates. This is how we feel about our weekly uh, mini book newsletters. And when one arrives, they close up shop for the day, grab a cold one from the fridge, close the door and read the entire thing start to finish. This is the greatest compliment in the world to us. Arr. Now, if you read the above and you're saying to yourself, yeah, okay, guys, but that sounds like a lot of work. We're sorry to say you've caught a bad case of Gary VD. Our deepest condolences. May we spray some Windex on that for you? Somewhere along the way, see if you know what that movie reference is. Somewhere along the way, marketing folks internalized the faulty belief that people owed them their attention. As a result, you don't have to work for it. And you don't have to put time and attention and tender love and care into the things you create. All you have to do is document, pump it out, record, publish, rah, 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 hustle, hustle, kapow. Do not confuse strategy with tactics. The last thing we want to point out here is the misunderstanding that content marketers 
and the companies who hire them have between strategy and tactics. To put it simply, strategy equals which direction are you facing? Are you north or are you going south? Tactics, once you know which direction you're facing, how are you going to get there? By plane, bus, by boat? What time of day you post your content is a tactic. Whether you should create videos, blog posts is a tactic. Articles like how to use Twitter for business, 15 tips to promote your brand are full of tactics. Engage people with large audiences. Use Twitter lists to manage your feed. Target popular hashtags. Ticky-tack tactics. But these tactics have nothing to do with your strategy. And your strategy has everything to do with what you are actually saying. The reason the content marketing world is obsessed with tactics is because tactics are easy. What's the one button I have to press in order for my content to be successful? What's the new hack? And it's a whole lot easier for some social media guru to tell you how crucial it is for you to post at 3 p.m. instead of 4 p.m. What's hard is actually sitting there and thinking about what's the premise of the conversation being had in your category. Do you agree or disagree with the conventional wisdom? How come? And how did you arrive at your conclusion? Is this conclusion new and different in any way? If not, start over again. Strategy is quite literally which direction your thinking is facing. And as a result, which direction you are leading the thinking of your readers, viewers, listeners, and customers. If you are thinking in the same direction as everyone else, your noise, aka obvious. You are an inconvenient scroll. And yet, going back to how we started this chapter, 86% of B2B organizations surveyed said they outsource content creation. They are outsourcing the most important part of their entire content supply chain, the nucleus, the red hot center, the big idea. Which is why when most companies and executives set out in search of content writers, they are often disappointed because they aren't actually looking for a content writer or a ghost writer. What they're really looking for is a ghost thinker. And differentiated thinking isn't a commodity you can easily find on Upwork. You can't just uh, Google non-obvious thinker writer, please, and see what comes up. Not a thing. A legendary opportunity. Saying more by doing less. Remember, a content marketing department supply chain looks like this. You come up with an idea for a piece of content. You write the content. You edit the content. You manage the writing and the editing of the content. You post the content. You ask other people to post the content. You pay other people to post, share, and backlink to the content. You pay to boost, promote the content. You manage the posting and the sharing and the backlinking of the content. And then you count how many views, likes, comments, shares, backlinks, and maybe sales the content accumulated. The massive opportunity we see here is to flip this pyramid. Right now, the idea portion of the content marketing supply chain, the nucleus, the thinking, has at most 10% priority. Most companies and content marketing departments over-invest in resources to edit, post, cross-post, promote, and manage the content and massively under-invest, say, in hiring a legendary journalist, ghostwriter, 
or world-class content creator to get the ball rolling in a different direction. In fact, we would argue that most large-scale companies would be 100x better off reducing the person power of their content marketing departments by 50 to 90% and reallocating those resources to publishing higher quality, more differentiated content less often. Not to break our own arms patting ourselves on the back, but Category Pirates is a perfect example of this. We do very little outwardly to promote rah, 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 look at us, promote our newsletter, and uh, in record time, we've climbed the Substack charts. We're now in the top uh, 0.5% of paid business newsletters in the world. That's because we spend the vast majority of our time thinking about, debating, and refining what we are saying, not amplifying as many mediocre ideas as we can fit into a monthly content calendar. Here's what this means for a variety of roles in the marketing world. If you're a CEO or founder, what is your differentiated insight? What problem are you solving? Why do you care, like all missionaries do, about your category, company, and products? Why should others care? What difference are you trying to make for others? Without giving yourself time to do some differentiated thinking, you will not be fresh. It is so easy to get crushed in a traffic jam of Zooms that you can't even hear yourself think. Never mind actually think. The E in CEO stands for evangelist. And before you can start evangelizing, you need to know what you really think. If you are a CMO, this idea that you need to be proficient in as many marketing platforms and disciplines as possible is nonsense. Again, these are all tactics. As a CMO, your number one job is strategy. It really doesn't matter if you understand how to run a Facebook ad or set up a MailChimp integration if the content and overarching POV you're going to plug inside those mechanisms is the key to, the key to your business is providing value to your customers. Instead, we encourage you to spend 99% of your time reading mini books like these, thinking, questioning your thinking, debating your thinking with others, spending an insane amount of time with customers and coming to different conclusions, and then rejecting the accepted premise and asking why. Your job is to constantly scour your brain for breakthrough ideas hiding in plain sight that everyone else in your industry is missing. If you are a marketing manager and you want to have massive impact within your company, your path to getting there is not more content more often. It's actually to make the controversial decision to do the opposite. Less content, less often, with more resources dedicated to getting your hands on truly differentiated thinking and dismantling any red tape getting in your way of achieving this goal. Now, to be clear, we don't think that writing one world-class blog post per year is the right strategy either. Although it is sure better than hustle quote graphics. The content marketing supply chain you want to design is one that optimizes for the highest level of quality without compromising quantity and vice versa. Volume is good, but only if it's quality volume. If you are a content writer and you're tired of being paid $25 per blog post, the single fastest way to increase your value and earnings is to provide differentiated thinking. Content writers are treated as commodities 
because many think their job is to write 800 words. Alrighty, here's a bunch of words. Giraffe and a llama with a toaster. Business stuff is the key, so don't you forget it. And by the way, eat Rice Krispie treats. Is any of that valuable? Of course not. It's mumble jumbo. Word count is a terrible measure of value, which means if you're charging per word as a content writer, you're declaring to companies that you are easily replaceable. And now, GPT-3 technology can do what you do. But if you start charging for your thinking and provide companies not just with words, but unique, unheard of, unidentified perspectives on the category, suddenly you're a luxury good. How much would a company pay for a unique and differentiated point of view? As a side note, I've been doing exactly that for 35 years, maybe 36 or 7 now, I don't know. And I can tell you, those of us who can create radically different point of views that change the future get paid very handsomely. But I digress. If you are a half-decent writer, mediocre marketer, but a courageous thinker, you can make a boatload of money helping content marketing industrial complexes find their soul again. And from a business perspective, make the cash register sing. For example, Pirate Cole has built a legendary career working with startup founders, company executives, and investors on refining their thinking and publishing their unique insights at scale on the internet. And there's a reason Pirate Cole is 100x more expensive than the ghostwriters you find on Upwork. But what's important to note here is it's not marketing tricks or growth hacks that makes this content stand out. It's the conversation being had that pushed the thinking into uncharted territory, as well as some therapy sessions with aspiring thought leaders and encouraging them, it's okay to be different. Unfortunately, by the looks of the data, the content marketing world is an accelerating muscle car and the brakes have blown out. Over the next few years, we are likely going to see more and more companies fall into the trap of more content more often. But rarely in life are we presented with such an obvious opportunity to be radically different. What's also radically clear is that most marketers will not do it. They will keep pumping out pablum as they build out their ever-expanding content-free marketing industrial complex. We think this is a multi-billion dollar opportunity for those willing to think different. Well, there it is, Content-Free Marketing, Chapter 3 from Snow Leopard, How Legendary Writers Create a Category of One, and it is available now on Amazon.com. Also, if you're a marketer but not a writer, uh, if you're a category designer but not a writer, or an entrepreneur or an executive but not a writer, there's another way to look at Snow Leopard. Snow Leopard is a detailed, data-oriented view as to why certain ideas in business uh, tip and certain ideas don't. As part of Snow Leopard, we analyzed the top 500 selling books of the last 20 years from a data perspective, and we figured out why some of them sell and some of them bomb. And those principles, those ideas, the frameworks in Snow Leopard around obvious and non-obvious ideas and others are powerful when going to create categories, points of view, and frankly, 
any kind of marketing execution. So if you want to know how to do legendary writing, check out Snow Leopard, how legendary writers create a category of one on Amazon.com. All right. We would like to thank. Thank you, of course. Uh, thank you so much for investing part of your uh, life with us. All of us here at Lockhead on Marketing deeply appreciate it. This podcast is a sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network and all rights do remain perturbed. Uh, the, uh, uh, <laughs> the creators of this podcast were uh, absolutely consuming libations. We are produced and edited by the greatest of all time, Jason DeFilippo. And if you want to do legendary podcasting, he's your man. Check out jason.fyi today. Technical awesomeness and lockhead.com built by Jamie J and Sarah Knox. Show notes by GM Simon. The handsome and talented Bobus Brothers do our web development, uh, EX and RJ. And thank you so much to Cedric Biros, who does our legendary graphic and web design. Our law firm is Weed and Jack, and our accountants are three bounce sheets to the wind. Remember to listen to Katie Lang, teach marketers to create legendary content, spread podcasts, not viruses. Johnny Castro's right. Thank you, Candy Dandy. She keeps all the trains running on time. Love you, Mom and Dad. And the thought I'll leave you with today comes from an unknown source, but it's such a great quote. Behind every piece of bad content is an executive who asked for it. <laughs>